guys, if you're new here, I am Pastor DJ, along with my wife, Jules. We get the honor to pastor here at Destiny Church, and we love y'all so much. Um, such an awesome family to be part of, and we thank you for that, because y'all family, and that's what we do. So if you're new here, uh, do me a favor, fill out a Connect card. We'll make sure we get you one. If you don't have one, go buy a Connection Point. That's that big wooden desk in the foyer. We'll make sure you get a connection card. It's the only way we know you came. So if it's been a long time, just fill it out again so we can reach out to you. We can pray for you. Uh, we, we, that's all we want to do is pray for you, share information, and answer questions. That's it. So please, we can't do that if you don't fill it out. So go ahead and do that. If you want a lot of information about Destiny Church, go to our website uh, or our apps. You can download the app. That's the fastest way to get stuff. It's the most updated uh, we never have to deal with other things going down. So our app kind of does what we need. But you can download that. It's all over the church. You can find a place for it and scan it. Um, man, it's a little quiet in here this morning. Hey, did you guys like what the kids did this morning? Come on. <laughs> See, I can always do that. That's the thing you hide in your pocket. You're like, weren't the kids awesome? And everybody goes, yes, they were. They're awesome. Good. Man, it's so good. Well, um, so it's a couple other things going on. I don't know. Do we have our next step slide back there? Um, our next steps, that's our discipleship class coming up. It's going to start again January 6th, so um, come on out. Um, Jan, that's the old one, so you can take that one down. January 6th is the new, uh, the next date we're going to start. And it starts off, we're going to do the DISC assessment again, so uh, that, that needs to be done. If you, we want to know your personality style, how God blessed you, how he created you, it starts with that. You can show up. We're going to be teaching that 9 o'clock on the 6th, so we've got a couple of weeks off. We'll get that slide up there for you. Uh, I'm excited about... Um, the upcoming New Year's, we have a New, new Year's worship uh, gathering we're going to do here at the church. We're going to usher in the New Year. Uh, so we're excited. We did it last year. It was awesome. We have several churches coming in to worship with us. So come on out. Uh, we're going to, man, we're going to have food, fellowship. We're just going to worship. We're going to pray. And we're going to do it right. We want to enter into the New Year, uh, man, just, just praying it right in and letting God do what only He can do. Uh, that's, that's how we're going to end the year, and that's how we're going to usher in the New Year. So put that on your calendar. We would love to see you for that. Uh, we also have our angel tree. Our angel tree is out in the foyer. Uh, obviously, uh, the angel tree is not only for another orphanage we, we support in Africa, uh, Pavilion Village, but it's also for families in our church. So if you have a heart to give, and that's what God put on your heart, grab an angel. There's 20 left out there. Okay, the ones for the orphanages are about $40 a child. That's going to get them new uniforms for school uh, and all that over there. Uh, that's over in um, Kenya. That's where we support Pavilion Village in Kenya. So uh, we can do that. And then there's also ones out there for, for families in the church. So if you see one of those, grab those. And then we have all the information. Nicole will have all that information for you. You can get it from her. And we'll make sure we take care of everybody uh, and make sure everybody has a Merry Christmas. So we're, nobody's going to be in lack because we're a family. We're going to take care of everybody. Uh, that's what we do. So, um, All right, let's get on to some, some, some quick stuff like ugly Christmas sweater. Y'all look pretty good. I didn't turn my lights on. I should turn my lights on this morning. I want to make sure everybody can see me. Okay, there we go. Got my Christmas lights on. Yes. Look at that. Now you can see me wherever I go. Uh, I'm good. So hey, here's what I want to do. We want to make this quick. Um, I, I, what we want to do is we want to we bless the person that actually took the time to wear the ugliest sweater. Now, you might think this is hard because there's a lot of ugly sweaters in here. And some of you aren't even dressed up for Christmas. I'm just messing with you. Just messing with you. Oh, help me, Lord. Okay, that's why you can't give me a mic. Okay, um, so here's what I want to do. This is how, we're, this is how it's going to work. If somebody around you, I'm going to give you about a minute, 
nominates you as having the ugliest Christmas sweater. So somebody has to tell you, you should be that person. I need you to come up here. So if nobody tells you you got the ugly Christmas sweater, you can't come up. But if somebody says you can, you got to come up front. If you want to compete, there's a prize. There is a prize. It might be a, a nicer sweater. Oh, man. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> All right. If you've been nominated, come on up. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Everybody look around. Is that your nominations? Uh-oh. Uh. All right, I got to make this as fast as, look, I had to do this fair. So so if you can come in, we got to get a picture first. We got to get a picture first. All right, it, this is all based on response from the church. I'm not picking this one. I got to pray for these people. Most of them are praying for me. <laughs> kind of want their prayers going in the right direction. But I'm going to let you all choose. I'm going to walk over and put a hand over their head, and you got to get loud. The loudest one's going to win. So you should pick one already, and we'll see how this goes. I'm going to start over here. Okay, here we go. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, real quick, the four of you can go sit down. She kind of got the four of you already. <laughs> okay. I don't know about this. Uh-oh. Okay, Ginger, you need to come over next to Holly. The rest of y'all can have a seat. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I loved your outfit, too. All right. So this is going to be a dance-off. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. All right. Now you got to decide between the two. All right, here we go. Whoever's loudest wins. Let's go with. There you go, baby. My beautiful wife has a gift card for you, Holly. Congratulations. Thank you, guys. Man, I thank you all. Look, it's important. You know, it's important we celebrate. It's important we have fun uh, church is about having fun, too. Come on, I'm telling you, we get to celebrate and have fun. And I thank you all that participated. You know, I got to mention one couple. Where's Ron at? Ron, where you at? Ron Trahan and Wannerine. Yeah, Ron's outside serving in Wannerine. Last year, um, they came one weekend prior to Ugly Christmas Sweater with their Christmas sweaters on. This weekend, they didn't even dress up. They completely forgot. We're going to get you guys a big calendar. <laughs> put that on your screen we'll be good so that's awesome um, but yes I'm so thankful for everybody and I, I've got one more thing I want to talk about today today is a very special day because today is 29 years that me and my baby have been married yes baby 
Look. I'm telling you, I, I've been blessed. I'm just letting you know I've been blessed. And I had to include the grandbaby in that one. That's kind of important. But, but 29 years. Yeah I, don't, yeah, I was trying to block the fact that I had a whole bunch of hair back then. A whole bunch of hair. Um, but, baby, I love you. Thank you so much. We, we are celebrating our anniversary with y'all today. That's what we're doing because this is our family. So we love that. Oh, man. Oh, by the way, we have some ladies that made some cookies. So before you leave today, make sure before you leave you get some nice homemade Christmas cookies. Give it up for the ladies that cook some cookies. All right. You guys ready for some Jesus? Let's actually get into the word this morning. So let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you, God. Father, I thank you that we get to do this, Father. I thank you that, that, that Lord, you have chosen us to, to be here this morning, that this was predestined that we would be here this morning. So, Father, I pray right now that you stir up a word inside my heart. Lord, let it come out of my mouth and land on the ears and hearts that need to hear it this morning. Father, let it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, so I've got to say that this is a little different for me. Uh, we do have a, uh, do we have a little little video, Holly? I think I skipped right over that. Go ahead and play it. Since somebody put that effort in, let's put that up there. King has come. Yeah, this is a little different so this morning uh, for me. I, I don't think, I have to really look back, but I don't usually talk about Christmas on Christmas. And everybody's like, huh? Why wouldn't you do that? I don't know, just God never told me to. He said, he said we understand what Christmas is. He goes, but this morning I need you to share some stuff. And we are in the middle of a series on spiritual warfare um, we're in the middle of a series called rules of engagement uh, and god's been moving moving big time in our series and then this morning he kind of uh, uh got me moving in the right direction and said okay i'm going to show you uh, exactly what i want you to talk about and it's going to be tied all into might be the first time i actually read through it in front of everybody the christmas story because I was, I was telling Jeff this morning, I said, I was fighting it. I said, because I told myself I would never do that. I said, I, I could preach about anything. And then I think I got like two hours of sleep last night because you kept saying, you need to do this. And I was like, no, I said I wouldn't. Yeah. Like I said, sometimes we just got to say, Lord, it's all yours. It's no longer mine to deal with. So, so this is all about spiritual warfare. And here's what I know about war. There's two outcomes especially in spiritual warfare, you either deal with eternal life or you deal with eternal death. Those are the two outcomes when it comes to a spiritual war. There are two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. There are two kings, a bad king who is strong and evil. He hates us and he seeks to destroy us. And then there's a good king. He's stronger than the bad one. He is love. He is life. He is joy. He is peace. And he wants to provide for us and protect us and guide us. 
But we got to make that decision. We have to make the decision and decide which one are we going to follow? What king is going to rule our hearts? Because there's no in-between. Like, you can't walk into this and say, well, I'm going to follow one one day and one the next. It's not midway. It's all in. You're either going to be on the side of the good king or the side of the bad king. That's what spiritual warfare is all about. And sometimes, you know, it's unintentionally and sometimes it's intentionally that we make those decisions. But there is no neutral ground. So as we celebrate Christmas, I want to celebrate his birth. And when we do that, we see love, joy, peace. Slides randomly popping up. I love you, Holly. She does such a good job back there. Here's the thing. We see all that throughout the land on Christmas. That's, I love the Christmas spirit. I really do. So it's not that I don't want to talk about Christmas. What I'm, what I'm saying is I love the fact that I, during this time of the year, people give. I love that, not give to the church. I'm talking, you give to people. You see people in need and you meet the need. I love that during Christmas, everybody's hearts opened up for angel trees and, and they open up to go give to orphanages and all this stuff. But the point is, it should be that way all year long. But there's too many people that just wait till Christmas and go, okay, it's time to bless somebody. Okay, see, see we, we, we put this super heightened spirituality thing on Christmas and goes, if I do it then, then I should be covered for the rest of the year. That's what I don't like about it, but I love the fact that people do this. I love the fact that they're feeding the homeless and, and doing everything we need to do. But the thing we can't forget is we're in a spiritual battle. We're still in a spiritual battle. And there was a spiritual battle going on when Christ was born. In fact, it was one of the biggest spiritual battles of history. You got to remember, see, we all look at the, the picture of the manger and Mary and Joseph and the nativity scene, and we go, but look how awesome it is. And, and there's these cute animals and everybody and Jesus in a manger, and it's so cute and it's so awesome, and look how great. And you don't realize that at that very moment, what we're seeing in the natural, in the spiritual realm, it's a war. It's a war, and God just dumped a weapon of mass destruction down on earth to take out the enemy forever. That's what he did. He was like, ah, <laughs> this is good. But see, well, we, we tend to celebrate the cuteness and, the, and, and all the stuff, and we don't realize that, that that was a major point in our lives, that he sent the Savior, the King, man, to die for us. Not even just to, I, I'm just going to say he sent him, okay, to bring everything uh, that we've ever wanted, to bring our peace and our joy. And see, the, the thing is, even if you read through the story, the devil's always trying to step in and mess things up, and he does that in our life all the time. He's always there trying to mess things up. And anything good, he's always there. So spiritual warfare, when I think about this, it's all through Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. Okay, and, and I actually, it, there's two that I, I'd like to read. I'm not going to read them both today. I'm going to read Matthew's. That's long. So if you're in church, hopefully you like the Bible, because I'm going to read it. Um, then we're going to talk about it, but I'm going to read it. The other one is in John, but it's actually written by John in Revelation. Huge spiritual battle where you see a different story played out with a dragon wait, waiting to devour a baby. That's John's version of Christmas. I'm sure if you're interested in the book of Revelation, I love it. I think Daniel's teaching that class in 
in January every Wednesday night. He'll be picking it up in January talking about the book of Revelation. There's a lot in there that you don't think about. It's not a book of revelations. It's a, it's a revelation. A lot of stuff. But if you're interested more in that, then go to that one. Today I'm going to talk about Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. So it's important that we understand what was going on that night and everything that, that God was trying to do and everything the enemy was trying to do at the same time to stop that from happening. Not only that night, but through that whole series of events that played out uh, in Matthew. And it's important we talk about this. Why? Because it's a strategy of the enemy. And when you understand the enemy's strategy, now you know how to come against that. Right? So we get wisdom from this, knowledge from this. Our job is to equip saints. Okay? So for me to equip you, I want to tell you about stuff the same way I get. I love reading it because when I read it, I see things and I'm like, okay. So if you would do it then, you'll do it now. If you'll attack that way, you'll attack that way again. So I need to prepare myself to defend myself over what the enemy is trying to do. Trust me, I would, I would really like to spend the whole morning talking about how cute Jesus is and about how awesome he is. But I, I'm kind of shifting it. I want to tell you uh, a little bit about our defeated foe. We just need to be aware of his plans and schemes that he has for us. So when I'm reading his word, as I'm reading this in Mark, I want you to think about the attack that was going on. I want you to actually think about the spiritual principles we've been talking about now for seven weeks or eight weeks. I want you to, when you read scripture, start trying to break that apart and start looking at it as, oh man, like that was a spiritual battle right there. Instead of reading it going, oh, it was the birth of Jesus, read it and go, oh wow, look what's going on. And look how God stepped up and look how the enemy was stepping up at the same time. Because that's how we live our everyday life. We've got to keep our eyes open because the enemy's not going to stop. He's coming. All right, so let's go to Matthew 1. I'm going to read out of the Passion this morning. Um, so Matthew 1, I'm going to start in verse 18. I'm going to read all the way through the end of Matthew 2. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. His mother Mary had promised Joseph to be his wife, but while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Her fiancé Joseph was a righteous man, full of integrity, and he didn't want to disgrace her. But when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break the engagement. While he was still debating with himself about what to do, he fell asleep and had a supernatural dream. An angel from the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, descendant of David, don't hesitate to, marry, to take Mary into your home as your wife because the power of the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in her womb. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Savior for he is destined to give his life to save his people from their sins. This happened to fulfill what the Lord has spoken through his prophet. It said, listen, a virgin will be pregnant. She will give birth to a son, and he will be known as Emmanuel, which means in Hebrew, God became one of us. So stopping right there real quick, because this is what keeps tugging on my heart. It all starts with Joseph's fiance becoming pregnant. Can you imagine in that series of who Joseph was a righteous man. He knew the law. He followed the law and he loved Jesus. He loved the Lord. But here he finds his fiance pregnant. And now the whole town's looking at him. His family's looking at him. And they all know what he should do. So automatically the enemy's sneaking in. Telling him. You need to end this thing. It's over with. 
You can't deal with the ridicule. You can't deal with what people are going to say. How many times do we deal with that in our life when, when we make a mistake or deal with something and we make harsh decisions because we don't, we're scared of what other people would say? When we don't even go to the one that has all the answers, the Lord. And that's what, that's what he does. The Lord comes to him. He doesn't even give him a chance because the Lord already planned this thing. He says, no, don't hesitate. You're going to marry her. She'll become your bride. All's going to be well. So what I love there is you first see just a, a, a glimpse of how the enemy can come in with fear and anxiety and try to stop you from doing God's will. Because all those little things, but then God's right there in a spiritual battle to say, hey, I've got you if you listen to me. If you listen to me, I got your back. I got a plan. So let's pick it up in verse 24. It says, when Joseph woke up from his dream, he did all that the angel of the Lord instructed him to do. He took Mary to be his wife, but they refrained from having sex until she gave birth to her firstborn son, whom they named Jesus. In Matthew 2, I'm going to read one, verse 1 through 23. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem near Jerusalem during the reign of King Herod. After Jesus' birth, a group of spiritual priests from the east came to Jerusalem and inquired of the people, where is the child who is born king of the Jewish people? He, we observed his star rising in the sky, and we've come to bow before him in worship. King Herod was shaken to the core when he heard this. And not only he, but all of Jerusalem was disturbed when they heard this news. So he called a meeting of the Jewish ruling priests and the religious scholars demanding that they tell him where the promised Messiah was prophesied to be born. He will be born in Bethlehem in the land of Judah, they told him, because the prophecy states, and you, little Bethlehem, are not insignificant among the clans of Judah, for out of you will emerge a, the shepherd king of my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the spiritual priests from the east to ascertain the correct exact time the star first appeared. And he told them, Now go to Bethlehem and carefully look there for the child, and when you've found him, report to me, so that I can go and bow down and worship him too. And on their way to Bethlehem, the same star they had seen in the east suddenly reappeared. Amazed, they watched as it went ahead of them and stopped directly over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star... They were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. When they came into the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they fell to the ground at his feet and worshipped him. They then opened their treasure chest full of gifts and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Afterwards, they returned to their own country by another route because God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. So after they had gone, Joseph had another dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Get up now and flee to Egypt. Take Mary and the little child and stay there until I tell you to leave, for Herod intends to search for the child to kill him. So that very night he got up and took Jesus and his mother and made their escape to Egypt and remained there until Herod died. All of this fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through his prophet. I summoned my son out of Egypt. When Herod realized that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. 
So he sent soldiers with orders to slaughter every baby boy two years old and younger in Bethlehem and throughout the surrounding countryside. Based on a time frame he was given from interrogating, interrogating the wise men, this fulfilled the words of the prophet Jeremiah. I hear the screams of anguish, weeping and wailing of Rama. Rachel is weeping uncontrollably for her children and she refuses to be comforted because they are dead and gone. So after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared again to Joseph in a dream while he was still in Egypt, saying, Go back to the land of Israel and take the child and his mother with you, for those who sought to kill the child are dead. So he awoke and took Jesus and Mary and returned to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, I think that's how you say it, Arch Herod's son, had succeeded him as a ruler over all the territory of Judah. He was afraid to go back. Then he had another dream from God, warning him to avoid that region and instructing him instead to go to the prov province of Galilee. So he settled his family in the village of Nazareth, fulfilling the prophecy that, that would be known as the branch. I don't know about you, but I just read a whole bunch. But hopefully as I was reading and you were reading, you started seeing some of the spiritual warfare and how the enemy starts sneaking in. Remember, it's a sneak attack. He tries to put things in our minds, put things in our hearts, try to steer us in directions, stop us from doing things. And this was just, like I said, this was, this was not just the birth of a king. That's why I'm saying when we talk about the birth of Jesus, it's just not the birth of a king. This is the end of the reign of the enemy. So, so this, was, this was it. It was, you know, like I said, Jesus was a, the, the, the weapon of mass destruction that God sent to earth. He was the greatest weapon ever. We've talked about that. We've talked about the name of Jesus through this whole spirit. We, we talked about how powerful he was and is and will be. So hopefully you don't see this little baby in a manger, but you actually see the enemy on a downfall as we go through this war in a spiritual realm. So I, I, I identified six things, six principles that I saw, and I'm going to break them down because it's all tucked into this story. And the first one was that no matter how bad the devil rages, he's always going to lose. No matter how much he rages, no matter how loud he gets, he's going to lose. Look at Herod's behavior. When the wise men didn't come back to tell him. When they didn't come back to tell him where Jesus was. He was in an outrage. He went into a violent, demonic fit of anger. It wasn't normal human anger. It wasn't. You got to look at this. This was, this was the manifestation of Satan's panic coming in him. You got to remember that, that the enemy can't operate by himself. Okay? He has to operate in and through other people. So this was Herod. He was operating through him. So he was possessed, Herod was possessed, and, and the enemy, he, oh, he was mad. He was mad. And when Satan's mad, his, his anger brings death and destruction. That's what it brings. 
But the spirit of the Lord brings love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. So what you see is a king completely with, the, with, with the, the demonic forces manifested in him doing what the enemy says. And the reason why is because God put the enemy on notice. He put him on notice when he sent the kings originally to, to Jerusalem. He sent the kings, and the kings came in, and the kings asked the question. They said, hey, where's this baby that's supposed to be born? And Herod, Herod he didn't know, but he got scared real quick because he knows of things. He just can't see the future. He can't, he can't predict when things are going to happen. See, the enemy doesn't have that kind of power. So he was scared. And he knew that God was invading. And he knew his reign was going to be over soon. Which is why he took the, the, the actions he took. Because he was scared. And that's how the enemy lives. He lives in a constant state of fear. Knowing that he's absolutely no match for our king. That's how he lives every day of his life. Knowing that, that the minute Jesus wants to do what he wants to do he has to bow down so the second thing i saw was that the devil is always on the outside looking in i kind of touched on that because i'm getting ahead of myself he's always on the outside looking in see god keeps him in the dark about his plans and strategies he just doesn't know all he can do is defend himself all he can do is operate in a defensive manner because he's not in tune with everything that's going on all he can do is respond. Remember, I talked about this even in our spiritual warfare as a church. I said, we're done being on the defensive, right? Why are we the ones on the defensive when the enemy should be running from us trying to defend himself against us because we have the same power and authority that's in Jesus as in us, right? But we have taken the punch so long and tried to dodge and weave and dodge and weave. That's not what we're doing here anymore. That's why we're equipping the saints so we can take the battle to the We want the enemy on the defensive we want him running and that's what he is all the time i just love the fact that when jesus was born i could imagine satan going wow something big's happening <laughs> i can feel it i don't know what it is but something big's happening and when he tried to use the wise men of, of gathering intelligence it failed that's when, when they couldn't answer his question, it failed. And that made his fear even worse. So the third thing is the devil's always in a defensive mode. Once again, getting ahead of myself. I get excited. See, God's always on the move. Always on the move. And the enemy can only react. So this is how he reacted. So here, the enemy's reaction to Jesus coming, him finding out, was his plan A was get the wise men, right? Plan A was actually get Herod. He says, let's get him and, and, and let's manipulate the wise men. He goes, that's what we'll do. We'll manipulate them. They'll tell us where the baby's at. We'll go kill the baby. That, that was his plan. He said, I want to go worship him, but his whole game plan was just get me close to him. I'll kill him and this thing's over with. It's really what he wanted to do, okay? So, so that was his plan. That was plan A. I like we were worshiping it. There's no plan B for me. Well, he had a plan B. 
He goes, A is probably not going to work. Let me go to plan B. Plan B was, well, let's go in there and kill all the babies in the area. And that failed. And a lot of you might say, yeah, but he killed all the babies. Yeah. But he failed to kill the baby that made a difference. And if you realize that, that even after that, it doesn't say how fast Herod died, but he died pretty quick. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure the Lord had his hand on that one and said, okay, I get it. I'm going to save my son. And then you're done. Because it was right after that that the Bible goes into Scripture saying he died and his son took over. So what happened to him to die so rapidly? I'd love to dig into that one a little bit more and find out. Every plan he had, God had a counterattack for. Because the enemy could do nothing at all to touch Jesus. That's how it always goes for the devil. Lives in defeat. Man, I love it. So here's the fourth thing. The devil can't interfere with God's plan. And it's because God saw ahead everything the enemy was going to do. He knew it. He's, he's seen it. He determined it. That's why he put things in play. That's why it's, I mean, when you read the Bible the way it's written, things are being prophesied way back in the Old Testament that are coming true in the New Testament. God knew it was coming. God knew the enemy was going to do it. And you say, well, then why didn't he stop them? Well, because all good things and all things will work out for the good. We know that God causes everything to work together. That's what it says in Romans 8, 28. That we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Doesn't, doesn't say for everybody. It says, for those that love God and are called according to his purpose for them. But man, God already moved Jesus and his family away before the enemy came in. So God's purpose prevailed no matter what, no matter what the enemy tried. That's what I love about that story. Number five, God takes responsibility for the safety of his children. This is what you need to know. You are his child. You are a son and daughter of the king. All right, so you're a prince, you're a princess, and he takes responsibility for your safety. He's going to make sure that he does everything he can to give you awareness, to make the right decisions. We still have to make decisions. We still have to do it. But you see it in the Bible. He comes to them in dreams. He's sending angels to talk to them. They still had to make the decision. Y'all ever been there when you're driving somewhere? I've, this happened to me multiple times now. Where I'm driving somewhere and all of a sudden I just feel the, 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 the nudge to go get off the exit. And you get off the exit and you find out there was a major accident that happened. And that's just one. It's happened before where I've just been steered out of the way of harm. Because I felt it. The Holy Ghost was telling me don't go that way. I listened. I recognized his voice. And I obeyed. And that's what they were doing here. Joseph was obeying. He was listening for his voice. He knew his voice. He had a relationship. And he obeyed. He did what he was told. See, a lot of times we don't do what he actually tells us to do because the enemy brings fear and all the other things inside of us because it doesn't make sense. You're like, I just, I've not seen that play out. 
Like, why would I do that? No one ever does that. Yep. Maybe that's why God's telling you to do it. Maybe he's asked a million people to do it. Nobody's done it yet. And he's just waiting for you to do it. It doesn't have to make sense to be right. It just has to be from God. So that's what you see, you know. He takes responsibility for all that stuff. And he's gonna, he did it for Jesus. He's going to do it for you. He's going to do the same thing for you. That's why when he speaks, we move. <laughs> that's why sometimes it doesn't make sense when I come up here and we're talking about the same thing for 20 weeks. <laughs> but when he says move, we'll move. And then we might talk about something for a week. And then he says move. We just have to be obedient to that. How do you get that? Through relationship, through prayer, through reading your Bible, through worshiping him, through spending time with him. That's how you get the insight. That's how you get that, that nudge. You got to recognize it because sometimes it's so quiet. It's so quiet. And you never know till you get confirmation. I'll share it. Can I share it, Miss Donna? I love this morning. Yeah, I, I'm praying. We're in here praying, and I'm, I'm walking this way, and God says, pray over somebody's back. And I'm like, okay. And there was that like, Ugh, sure, right in the middle of praying. I just kind of shift to praying healing. Miss Donna was right in the back, right going in to, to, to Mr. Billy to say, hey, I need you to pray for my back. I didn't know that. But it was confirmation that we got to all pray over it and take pain away from her at the very exact same time. That's when you hear his voice, you are obedient to it. You see the results of that. No matter how weird they look, trust me, it's easy to fight them. It is so easy to say no. It's so easy to say no. Because I hear some crazy stuff. <laughs> I'm like, oh, ugly Christmas sweaters on Christmas. <laughs> I don't know if this is from God. I'm just saying it. I just like the Christmas sweaters. I can't, I can't claim that one. I'm just telling you, once you get better at listening to his voice, he'll take care of you. He'll guide you and lead you. And no matter what happens, if you're listening to him, if you have that relationship, right, and you understand what he's saying and things happen, that's the will of God. And you need to be okay with that. You just need to be able to step aside and go, all right, Lord, I was listening and things happen, and life happens. And then you got to move on. And that's tough sometimes. But you have to move on. And the last one, and this is my favorite. Jeff, you'll agree. Rejoicing and celebrating is a violent act of spiritual warfare. <laughs> That's my favorite part of that story, right? It says there, and when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. Unrestrained joy. Other scripture says violent worship and rejoicing. That's the secret to winning every battle is to worship your way through it. You have to worship your way through it because the minute you start worshiping, it's like this, the Holy Spirit just starts exploding out of you. And everything must bow. The enemy must leave. That's what worship brings. That's why worship's so important. That's why we worship even at the beginning of service. Because I want everything gone. <laughs> everything but him. 
That's why we'll worship for an hour some Sundays. Because <laughs> he says, I'm not done. All right, Lord, it's about you. It ain't about us. This is not about what we want. It's about what he wants. And that's what we surrender to. So that's the secret. See, the wise men rejoice violently. And then I love it in Matthew eleven twelve. It says, from the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate people have taken hold of its power. Other scripture says that the kingdom of heaven is entered into by force and violent ones take hold of it. So violent and passionate people have taken hold of the power of the kingdom of God. That's why we worship him. That's why we wake up in the morning and we worship him. Because we get to take control of the power of the kingdom of God. And watch that move through you every single day, everywhere you go. And you can't stop it. And you can't suppress it when you start it out the right way. That's why it's so important you don't skip that part. <laughs> so important. That's his intention for us. He wants us to be violent and passionate in a spiritual battle. But holy violence looks completely different than demonic violence. It's the power of God being released into the atmosphere. That's holy violence. I just love it because you can feel that. That's something that's tangible. That's something that when you're having a really bad day or you get really bad news and you start to worship, you can tangibly feel it leave when you start worshiping. You can feel that. That's real. So if you've never tried it, try it. It'll change your whole perspective about worship. It's, it's why, you know, on Sundays we're up here jumping around and we're bowing down and we're screaming out and crying out because it's that power that we want exploding from us. Because here's the thing, when the devil's thrown his best at you, his most painful strategy against you, <laughs> and you respond by bursting out into praise, <laughs> come on, he can't take that. He doesn't know what to do with that because that's not the normal answer. He has nothing he can do but bow down and go, go crawl back in his hole. And every time he puts his head out of his hole, you just step on it again. You just cry out again in praise. He just doesn't know what to do with it when we fight our battles with worship. So as we face our holiday season without loved ones, sometimes for the first time, maybe financially you're not where you thought you were. Maybe we're just separated from people. Maybe your world's crashing all around you hmm. worship through it that's my christmas gift to you <laughs> worship through it because it happens and you get to make a choice at that moment you can either sit there and absorb it and be on defense or you can worship through it and take the fight to the enemy right where he needs it right in his mouth that's what we're called to do and that should be happening more than you think because we're human and we live in a world and bad things happen. But it becomes bearable when you worship through it.
You know, in Philippians 1, 27 through 28, it says, whatever happens, keep living your lives based on the reality of the gospel of Christ. Then when I come to see you or hear good reports of you, I'll know that you stand united in one spirit and one passion, celebrating together as conquerors in the faith of the gospel. And then you will never be shaken or intimidated by the opposition that rises up against us. For courage will prove to be a sure sign from God of their coming destruction. So it says when we stand united in one spirit and one passion, celebrating as conquerors, celebrating like warriors winning a battle. <laughs> that's, when, that's when the enemy can't do anything to us. And that's a clear sign of the enemy that his destruction and your victory is what terrifies him. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do with it. And he lives in that every day. But as we take our foot off his head, we take our mind and our eyes off from Jesus, we give him room to roam. And he'll find his way in and he'll creep his way in. And you'll start feeling the side effects of that. But then all you have to do is come right back to the one thing. How to fight the battle is through worship. So if you're in a midst of battle today, just lift up your voice. Celebrate him. Rejoice. Violently worship him. Which can be so powerful. <laughs> Don't do it when you're driving. <laughs> well, do it when you're driving. Don't lose control. Been there, done that. Pulled the car over before. Because violent worship breaks out into all kinds of emotions. <laughs> but refuse to be intimidated by the enemy's plans. Just rejoice boldly and loudly on purpose. Set your eyes and heart on Jesus, and he'll guide us. See, most people never consider that the purpose of Christmas has anything to do with spiritual warfare. You know, the world's taken over, and it's all about all kinds of things. It's all about what you have and what you don't have and what you get and what you don't get. That was never the intention of Christmas. <laughs> that wasn't. The intention was for the risen king to be born in a spiritual war to break out determining that he was the king and the enemy no longer has reign over you or anybody else if you take it you know first john i'm going to wrap it up first john 3 8 says he who sins is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning but for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Come on, that's why he's here, to destroy the works of the devil, and that's what we celebrate this Christmas. So the original Christmas is the inauguration of Jesus' entry into the world. And it, the world that transfers us from the dominion of darkness to the dominion of light, to God's light, false light, that light that guides us and fills us up. And that's what Peter announced before the creation. God had a plan in place for his son Jesus. That he would come to earth to be the final once and for all sacrificial lamb of God. First Peter 1 Peter 1.18-20 says, For you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. 
There was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb was sacrificed for us. And this was part of God's plan, for he was chosen and destined for this before the foundation of the earth was laid. But he has been manifested in these last days for you. So it was Jesus, and it was his birth that started that whole shift, cosmic shift of what the enemy can and can't do. So it's not so much about the little baby in the manger. It's all about the weapon of mass destruction. And it all talks about a battle where people had to know him, listen to him, obey him, and move when God tells them to move. And all we get to do is enjoy the spoils of war, if you're willing to. If you let him lead you and guide you, if you can submit your heart to that, if you can, and if you can just cry out to Jesus, then you can walk into victory that he's already won. You don't have to go through that. You just have to surrender to him. You just have to surrender to him. So let's walk in victory this season, not give the enemy a foothold to cause misery in our lives. Let's take back what he's taken. Let's take some spiritual ground this Christmas. Amen? Amen. So I want to, I told you that before we end every sermon in this spiritual warfare, I want to give you tools. I want to talk to you about um, a spirit or a spiritual attack, and I want to give you tools on how to battle. Right? This way you can take care of yourself. This way you don't have to wait for the, the pastor to get open on his schedule to pray over you. Right? You have the authority to do it yourself. Not that I don't want to. We can go get some food. I love food. I want to help you learn more about the weapons of the enemy and how to come against his weapons. So today I'm going to talk about the spirit of jealousy and envy. The spirit of jealousy and envy. So jealousy is like a raging fire that is out of control and destroying everything it touches. Jealous people are destructive and possessive people. Jealousy will cause man to accomplish things that are contrary to the will of God. We do not have the right to say what another person can or cannot enjoy. We cannot dictate to God who should or should not have the right or privilege to enjoy what he allows people to enjoy. Envy is slightly different. Envy will convince you that other people are so much luckier, smarter, more attractive, better off, more educated, or enjoy better relationships than you do. Envy is a desire for others' traits, possessions, status, abilities, or situations. Envy is, is wanting what someone else has, while jealousy is not wanting someone to have or enjoy what you have. You see this in Scripture plays out in 1 Samuel 18, 5 through 11, and this is where Saul gets jealous because David is off killing. And they start chanting David's name, saying that he's killed 10,000 when Saul's only killed 1,000. Jealousy sets in, the spirit comes over him, and he goes on a rampage to kill David. It's all spiritual. It's a spirit of jealousy and envy. But I love what Job says in 5.2. It says, resentment kills a fool and envy slays the simple. 
But Proverbs 14, 30 says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So what are some signs, symptoms, and manifestations? Keeping up with the Joneses. If there's any Joneses in here, it doesn't mean you. Abuse, arrogance, assumptions, begrudging attitude, belittlement, bullying, character assassination, confusion, contention, deception, discord, entitlement, extreme competition, fear, frustration, gossip, greed, identity theft, idolatry, ill will, ill wishes, insecurity, justification, lust, lying, malice, manipulation, obsession, oppression, pain, pride, projection, rage, railing, rejection, resentment, sabotage, self-centeredness, slander, spite, taunt, theft, threats, torment, undermining, unsupportiveness, violence, and withholding information. That all ties into the spirit of jealousy and envy. So Jen, you got to watch how competitive you get. <laughs> it's a laughing matter until we're fighting it. But how do we counterattack that? I can't tell you what the symptoms are if I don't tell you how to fix them. This one's pretty simple. This one's pretty simple. We ask God to deliver us from the spirit of jealousy. We can cry out to him and say, deliver me from that. We talked about it before. You've got to, you got to bind up, you know, bind up things in heaven as they are in heaven on earth. And you've got to loose things on earth that are loosed in heaven. So you need to release brotherly love, kindness, meekness, respect, celebration, and satisfaction. That's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to pray over you. So just every head bowed, every eye closed. If you feel like you've been attacked under this, if this is something that just pops in your head as I was reading off all those things. We're family here. Look, there is no judging. We just want, we don't want you to, to leave the same way you came. This was just not a program to come to and celebrate on Christmas. This was a moment to change your life forever, to activate the will of God, to, to remove what the enemy is trying to put in place. So if that's you, if you've dealt with those things, look, everybody heard this about, just raise your hand so I know I'm praying for other people than me. <laughs> come on. I've been there. I've seen it. So let's pray. Father, right now, we come to you, Father. We love you. We surrender to you. You are so powerful and so wonderful. And Father, we ask you to search the hearts and minds of those in this room, those that are watching online, Lord. Father, right now, we bind up the spirit of jealousy and envy on earth as it is bound up in heaven. And we loose your brotherly love, kindness, meekness, respect, celebration, and satisfaction on earth as it is loosed in heaven. Deliver us from this spirit in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, did you guys get something out of this today? Look, I, I want to invite our prayer team forward. This is important because before you leave out of here and, and go get your cookies and go home, don't leave out of here if you need prayer. So if you're dealing with some of that, some of that made sense to you, then it's going to be an opportunity to come down and get prayed for before you leave. If there are other things on your heart you just need prayer for, these are prayer warriors. These are people that, that are out here. They come out on Mondays and pray over this church. They're here on Sundays praying for you. They, look, we pray over the crosses. We pray over all this stuff. And we want to pray over you. I don't care how long the line gets. Don't leave. 
if you want prayer this morning. Now, all this stuff we talk about, all the spiritual warfare we talk about, all the actions we can take against the enemy only work when you surrender to Jesus. Not just surrender, but have a relationship with him and trust him and walk this life out with him walking beside you as Papa, as Daddy. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, First, by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not from yourself, it's from a gift of God, not by works so that nobody can boast. So you can't work your way into this. You can't do enough good deeds to be in this. You need to surrender to him. And that's the first step of war, is knowing who you are. You need to know that you're on the right side. Like I said in the beginning, it's a battle of good and evil, and you can't serve them both. You have to make a decision on which one you're going to serve. So if that's you this morning, here's what I tell you. There's nothing I can pray over you that's going to change that. If you want to know Jesus in your heart, that's something you're going to have to make a decision in your heart to do. And if that's you, then I do encourage you, and I ask that the Lord gives you courage to just come up and talk to a prayer partner so that we can pray with you and walk you through the next steps because that's important. That's important that you leave here different than you came. It's important we start a new year fresh, ready to move wherever God wants to take us. So if that's you this morning, they're going to be up here, and I'll ask you to come forward. Let me just pray over the rest of the service, and we'll dismiss today, and, and I pray you guys will have a, a blessed Christmas and a blessed week, and, and let's just surrender this one to Father. So, Father, we thank you and we love you. Father, you see the hearts in the rooms, and I ask that these words that were spoken today, Lord, that they don't fall on the ground, Lord, that they fall on the hearts that need to hear it. Father, ignite a fire inside of us to seek you with all of our heart. Father, we pray, we pray in a mighty way this week that you open doors for us, Father. You, you give us divine appointments, Father, that we're going to run into people that need to know about you, Lord. Father, use us in a mighty way. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for choosing us to do your good works. Father, so we just ask you to, to be with us. We, we thank you for those, Father, that are making a decision right now. Give them courage.